Hey guys, welcome to our Men of Valor podcast. My name is Casey McCauley, and in this episode, we're going to consider the topic of wisdom, and we'll be in James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. We live in a world of endless information. Our time period is known as the information age. It's this unique time in human history that's characterized by information and computerization. Knowledge is at our fingertips. We carry it with us at all times on our phones. What's your first response when you need to learn about something? Well, I'll Google it. We can search anything at any time and get an unlimited number of results. It's estimated that there are 99,000 Google searches every second. 8.5 billion per day. It's pretty obvious Google is our go-to. Even when my daughter was young, when she would ask me a question I didn't know, she said, well, dad, just Google it. If I need to learn how to fix something, you can just watch a YouTube video with step-by-step tutorials, even though I usually still mess it up and I have to get real in-person help. While we have unlimited access and data for knowledge, one thing seems to be lacking, and that is wisdom. Is all of this information or knowledge making us smarter, better, more efficient? Maybe, maybe not. How has it affected our attention span, our pursuit of learning, critical thinking, and the real-life application of the knowledge we know? With all that we have, have we become wiser as a result? If one thing is obvious, knowledge does not automatically equal wisdom. It's often said, wisdom is the proper use of knowledge. It's to know how to use knowledge. It's knowledge applied. And brothers, I'd like to remind you that we seek after and live out godly wisdom together. It's the wisdom of God from the word of God lived out together as the people of God. The letter of James is considered to be the Proverbs of the New Testament. Like the wisdom offered in the Old Testament book of Proverbs, James gives us practical instruction on how to walk the walk. And in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 to 8, we have a strong exhortation to walk in the way of wisdom. And it's summarized in verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. God is the source of wisdom. Furthermore, Proverbs 13, 20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. This is why our harvest groups are so important, because discipleship happens together. Each week as we come together to study God's word in community, we're encouraged to seek after God's wisdom, to become wise because we're walking with others who are wise. So let's keep striving toward this effort and experience the benefits and the blessings of God's wisdom. And if you're not part of a harvest group, you can go to harvest.church forward slash groups and find a group there. As we see in this letter of James, James is writing to the church about the difference between godly wisdom and worldly wisdom, wisdom from above or wisdom from below. The source and the results of such wisdom, well, they're drastically different, and it makes all the difference in our lives individually and in our lives together as the people of God. So let's read James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. 
For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. In this passage, we clearly see there are two different kinds of wisdom, one from God and one from the world or the devil. Wisdom from above brings glory to God and is used for the good of humanity. But wisdom from below is focused on self and it ultimately isn't good for self or for others. But of course, we must first ask, well, what is wisdom? Some might think it's just a long life of accumulated knowledge. You can know all kinds of knowledge about all kinds of things, but still not be wise. You can have lots of friends with gray hair. You can talk in some kind of Yoda-like voice and sound wise, but still ultimately not get wise advice. Some people seek book smarts, some street smarts, some neither. Whether it's in school or the streets, something must be done with knowledge. And that's where wisdom comes in. As I already said, wisdom is the proper use of knowledge. Or as Kenneth Boa further explains, wisdom is skill in the art of living life with each component under the dominion of God. Wisdom includes the ability to use the best means at the best time to accomplish the best ends. It is not merely a matter of information or knowledge, but of skillful and practical application of the truth to the ordinary facets of life. Knowledge can come through disciplined study, but wisdom comes from dependence on the Spirit. Wisdom isn't just making right or good decisions. It's to live by the Word of God in the power of God for the glory of God. In this letter of James, this isn't the first time that wisdom is mentioned. He does it right at the beginning in chapter 1, verse 5, where he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. You see, the source of true wisdom is God. Wisdom has only one source, God alone. So why would we look for it anywhere else? That would be foolish. In connection with the previous passage of James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12, the topic of wisdom flows from the control of our words. We learned about the direction of our words. Like a, like a bit for a horse or a rudder for a ship, our words can direct and control our lives for the positive or for the negative. We learned about how powerful our words are. They can be destructive like a wildfire. In the context of James 3.1, people seeking to be teachers have a serious responsibility to seek and find and have wisdom, to know what to say and how to say it. Good leadership is founded by godly wisdom, whereas bad leadership is founded by bad wisdom. Our words matter. What we say, how we say it, and why we say it. And so the natural response to the restless evil and the deadly poison of the tongue is to ask, if you can't tame the tongue, what are you to do? Well, enter wisdom into the chat. The problem of the tongue is ultimately the problem of the heart. As Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So to deal with the tongue, you must deal with the heart. If the heart changes, then the words will change. Wrong words, fire-like destructive words, words that curse others, words that tear down. It's from the world. If you have the wrong words, it's because it's flowing from the wrong wisdom. But we see that a tamed tongue comes from a humble heart. 
It's interesting to note that the demonic tongue set on fire by hell is a result from the fall of mankind, flowing from the wisdom that's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. But an interesting contrast exists in Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, the text says that suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There it is, fire and speech, words from wisdom. The wisdom of the world leads to fiery words that can quickly destroy and curse others and tear down and spread like wildfire. But Acts chapter 2 is the reverse of James 3. And the fire that came down from heaven from above gave words that praise God and ultimately bless people with the good news of Jesus. This spark of the flame of God's word didn't create destruction, but a revolution as the good news of Jesus spread across this world. This wisdom, the wisdom from above, can spread the flames of revival. Our words, our lives, our faith, our works, they all have great impact. And we must look to the right wisdom. And so we see in this section a big contrast and comparison of wisdom. Wisdom from above or from below? Wisdom from the word or from the world? From God or from the devil? Consider the differences the text lists. Wisdom from below is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. It brings bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. It's boastful and false to the truth and results in disorder in every vile practice. But wisdom from above is just the opposite. It's heavenly, spiritual, divine. It's first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. The source of wisdom is completely different, and the impact or the results of wisdom lived out are completely different. Ironically, we must choose wisely. Brothers, we must look to Jesus. Authors Kyle Strobel and Jamin Gogan describe the difference in their book called The Way of the Dragon or The Way of the Lamb. They write that godly wisdom is not achieved, but received. This way from above has descended in the person of Christ, who is the power and wisdom of God. Wisdom is not essentially about making right decisions, but about living by the power of God in Christ Jesus. Brothers, the way of wisdom is the way of Jesus. We must look to him and to his gospel. Oh, how easy it is to look to all sorts of different sources for wisdom. We can look for wisdom in all of the wrong places, and when we do, we suffer the consequences for it. James starts this section with a question in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? This question can be rhetorical, something to reflect on and ponder. And he immediately answers the question by saying, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. That's who has wisdom. That's who has understanding. Wisdom is not just heard in words. It's seen in works. Wisdom produces humility, which then produces good works. Consider how these attributes of wisdom so closely align with the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This question can also be corporate. As the churches receive this letter, they could think about their faith community. Who has wisdom and understanding? Who can we look to for guidance and wisdom to live this Christian life? Who will teach us the word of God? 
But this question can also be answered personally. Who comes to mind when you think of someone that is wise? This is personal, not to think of a figure from history or someone of popularity, someone you know, someone you can get coffee with, someone to pray for you, someone to send you a relevant scripture, someone to help you sort out the difficulties in your life, to visit you in the hospital. As Romans 12, 15 says, to rejoice with you when you rejoice and weep with you when you weep. We need the wisdom of other people in our lives, and we need to seek the Lord so we can wisely serve others. And all of this comes from a humble dependence on the Lord. Wisdom from God produces humility. Wisdom from the world produces pride. Godly wisdom is used to love God and love others, but worldly wisdom is used to love, well, self. James says that it's jealousy and selfish ambition. It's to have the favoritism that James talked about in chapter 2. Think about how this affects every area of life. Selfish ambition in marriage, work, leadership, the way you interact online and whether you post about things and just the way you live your life. It's all about what is in it for you. How can it help you but not others? Wherever the wisdom of this world is embraced, promoted, or practiced, James says there will be disorder, which refers to instability, confusion, disturbance, and even anarchy. The result is racial, social, familial, and economic disorder, which includes angerness, bitterness, prejudice, lawsuits, divorce, crimes, war, you name it. As a result, James says every vile practice will occur, which refers to every type or all kinds of evil practices. Simply put, this wisdom produces wickedness. And that's why James summarizes the wisdom from below as being earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. This shows that it's directly connected with the three enemies of the Christian life, the godless world system that's opposed to God, earthly, the flesh of sinful man, unspiritual, and Satan and his demons, demonic. This is described in Romans chapter 1, verse 22, where Paul says, Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. When we exchange the wisdom of the Creator for the wisdom of creation, we become fools even though we think we are wise. But, O oh brothers, in contrast, consider the way of Jesus, who, as 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24 says, is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Consider how the attributes of the wisdom in James is seen in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Beatitudes of Matthew 5. Wisdom that is pure. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Wisdom that's peaceable. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Wisdom that's gentle and open to reason. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Wisdom that's full of mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Wisdom that's full of good fruits. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And so take a moment to consider these aspects of wisdom. Meditate upon all these wonderful blessings and benefits of the wisdom from above. That it's first pure. It doesn't have the mixed motives of what James calls the double-minded. Instead of being self-seeking and sinful, it's pure, which means that God's wisdom is free of contamination or defilement. It's pure and holy because it comes from the one who, as Isaiah 6, 3 says, is holy, holy, holy. There's no error or impurity in God's wisdom. It's pure. 
after describing God's wisdom as being pure, James provides seven characteristics of such wisdom. He writes that the wisdom from above is then peaceable and gentle. Instead of producing disorder and sinful practices, heavenly wisdom produces peaceful and gentle actions. To be peaceable is to fight against conflict with humility, and to be gentle is to be fair, considerate, and courteous to all. Godly wisdom is also open to reason. This means that those who have such wisdom are teachable and submissive, open to suggestions, and always willing to listen and accept instruction and correction. Those who receive God's wisdom are open to reason and are willing to learn from others. Why? Because they realize that it's not about them. This doesn't mean that they believe any kind of false teaching or any weirdness out there, but that they receive correction, instruction, and information with an open ear. The wisdom of this world says, be quick to speak, slow to listen. But the wisdom of God says in James 1.19, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. James goes on to say that wisdom from above is full of mercy and good fruits. These characteristics of wisdom describe the wise person who reaches out to the people around him. Like the good Samaritan, he decides to have compassion and mercy on those who are in need of support. And such acts of mercy and good works produce good fruits, spiritual growth that demonstrate and display the work or fruit of the Holy Spirit's presence and work in the lives of believers. As faith and works are like two sides of the same coins in James 2, so wisdom and good fruits go hand in hand. True wisdom always manifests itself through good works that results in good fruits. James then concludes the characteristics of godly wisdom by saying that it's impartial and sincere. Worldly wisdom produces disorder, but godly wisdom is impartial, meaning that it's not divided or parted. Such wisdom is clearly seen in the act of treating people fairly, without favoritism, which is seen in James 2. Also, not only will the wise person be true to others, but also true to himself. He'll be sincere or without hypocrisy. And so in conclusion, let us look to the word of God for the wisdom of God, to the good news of Jesus, who is the wisdom of God. You are in the world, but the wisdom of this world doesn't have to be in you. Seek the wisdom that comes from above, the wisdom that's pure and peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, and impartial and sincere, and watch God work in your life for the glory of God and for the good of others. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, brothers.